one of my mentors was like, hey, what about your last name? What's that about? And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 don't worry about that. And they were like, well, no, 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 no. Like, what's up with that? Like, we didn't know you had all that going on. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they dug into it and we realized that um, for my most of my life, I'd really been hiding my heritage, the fact that I'm Ugandan and all the beautiful, amazing aspects that come with that. But I just felt like no one wanted to know that. And they were like, you need to make that front and center of your business. What's going on, y'all? You have just tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. On this show, I invite black photographers, filmmakers, editors, and creative business folks to discuss their experiences and share their wisdom. You will hear about their work, their challenges, and their inspirations. My name is Idris Talib Solomon, a creative director, photographer, and filmmaker based in Brooklyn, New York. So if you dig photography and you love the culture, keep your mind open and your headphones locked. This is the Black Shutter Podcast. Today's guest is from Uganda, raised in Alabama, and is now based in the New York and New Jersey area. She is an award-winning international multicultural wedding photographer. That's very specific. Wedding photography comes with a lot of pressure. There are no do-overs. Our guest chooses to run into the heart of the pressure and find the stories that are important to the couple she photographs. She has been featured in Essence, Martha Stewart Weddings, Yahoo Style, and Anat. She was recently named the Fujifilm Ambassador and Collaborator. Petronella Lugema, welcome to the Black Shutter Podcast. What's going on, sis? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. No this problem. Is, no problem. What you're doing is really awesome. It's going to help so many people. I, I mean, that's the goal. I hope so, man. I think... You know, when I wanted to become a photographer and, and you know, doing the research and, and looking for other photographers that look like me, that will focus on the same mm. things that are interesting to me, like, it was very hard to mm-hmm. find. So hopefully uh, listeners out there are getting some, you know, some benefit from from listening to the stories, like, of you and some of the other guests that have been on the show. So thank you again for, for being here. Uh, Petronella, tell us a little bit about okay. where you're from and, and where you're based. Yeah, so I have a long story. I'm not going to take up too much of you guys' time. But um, I was born in Uganda, which is a small country in East Africa. Um, we grew. I grew up in Zimbabwe because Uganda had some political turmoil. Idi Amin, last king of Scotland, evil dictator. So we moved to Zimbabwe, where I spent a lot of my childhood. And then um, my family moved to Birmingham, Alabama when I was 10 years old. And so I spent a lot of my time there. I grew up there. Um, that actually became a really important part of my life. Um, I came to Birmingham, Alabama. My parents were like, we want you to hold on to your Ugandan tradition. But then I would go to school in high school and I would see all the kids not eating weird foods and not doing different things. But also Birmingham, Alabama wasn't so racially tolerant and mm-hmm. diversity wasn't something that I saw. I didn't see myself celebrated. My culture, like foreigners were like looked down on. So I kind of learned to hide who I was. Um, I didn't really tell people my last name. So I guess to some people, I, they probably thought I was just a black girl. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just another black girl. 
Um, and I learned to talk the talk, do whatever, do all the things that made other people feel comfortable because I knew people weren't comfortable with my heritage and my background. And so I continued doing that all the way till I was much, much older, working, working in corporate branding and marketing. Um, and then when I was starting my photography business, so I am currently based out of the New Jersey, New York area. Okay. And um, I own a wedding and marriage proposal studio that specializes in helping multicultural couples celebrate their love in a modern way. Um, so very different and niche. But um, yeah, so it came from so I was starting my photography business and somebody was like, yo, what? One of my mentors was like, hey, what about your last name? What's that about? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, no, 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 no. Like, what's <laughs> up with that? Like, we didn't know you had all that going on. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they dug into it. And we realized that um, for my most of my life, I'd really been hiding my heritage, the fact that I'm Ugandan and all the beautiful, amazing aspects that come with that. But I just felt like no one wanted to know that. And they were like, you need to make that front and center of your business. Like this is something and being who I am, I have a very analytical background and thought process. So I was like, well, let me first validate this. And so I went out to different places and I talked to different people, like of all different cultures, backgrounds, interracial couples, people who, oh gosh, third culture, all kinds of people. And I kept hearing them say, oh my gosh, I have to be a different person in different environments. Yeah. Like when I go to work, my name is different. Like um, I would have some Asian friends who would be like, oh, my name is Susan, but it's actually this other name at home. And, um, and just the different foods. And, we have to code switch. And that whole navigating. Ex code, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, there is something here. And the, your wedding day is the one day when all these different worlds come together, right? So you have your work friends come in and then you have your parents and then you have your friends and all these different worlds come together on your wedding day because they're all there to celebrate and they might not know of you. And so when all these worlds come together, that's what I want to capture is sort of all these different worlds coming together and colliding and, and celebrating who you are. Yeah. Like how long were you in Uganda or um, you, were in, you were born in Uganda, then moved to Zimbabwe, then moved to Alabama, right? So how old were you mm -hmm. when you moved to Alabama? I was 10 years old when I moved to, yeah, Birmingham, Alabama. Remember that? Two suitcases with my mom and my sister and we're joining my dad. Wow. So he came here. He was a trailblazer. He came here first, kind of got things set up and then y'all met him. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, so True immigration stories, yeah. I mean, that's like the typical narrative, right? Um, one of the mm -hmm. parents goes first. They might have like some friends or a connection over here, and and then they come set it up, send money back, and then family ends up coming. You know, it's it's pretty uh standard, you know. So, mm -hmm. at what point did you discover photography that you had an interest in photography? So I'm a pretty quiet, shy person. I like to observe and sort of sit back and listen. So it's something that I did a lot when I was young. My dad had a film camera and I would just quote unquote borrow it mm -hmm. <laughs> and take it to school and other places and just 
shoot whatever I was feeling and seeing. Um, I didn't really think anything of it. So it's just something I did even as I got older, just sort of shooting everything. And it wasn't until I was working on Advil in corporate. I don't know if you guys, yeah, Advil, you guys know it, Advil pills and Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, And one of my coworkers was like, yo, can you come to Mexico and shoot our wedding? And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, we see you. We see your work. You know, every now and then I'd put it out and tell my friends, hey, check out the stuff that I had shot. And I actually shot her mother's birthday. And she was like, we thought it was really great. You have a great eye. Can you Mm -hmm. come to Mexico? And I did that. And there was something that lit up in me. Like, I'm usually quiet. But on the wedding day, I take charge. I... I know what I want. It just seems to flow so naturally. And I felt like, oh, there's something here. Let's let's figure out how to make this forever. So So you were shooting and, and sharing photos like online, social media, and your friends saw this? Yeah, yeah. I think at the time I had a smug mug account. <laughs> yeah. And I would just like upload and be like, hey, check out this link. I, you know, whatever. It would be all kinds of stuff. It was, but it was mostly people, like the study of people, and yeah, yeah. It was mostly like documentary. So, so how did you know that you wanted to focus on people and focus on like their love stories? Wow, that's a great question. So I think it's two things. One, because I am quiet and shy and um, in transparency. Like wanting to engage and talk to people is always, it's like sort of that hidden thing that I always want to do. I always want to feel like I belong, but I don't always find the words and I struggle a little bit with figuring out how to connect. And so um, people is just natural because I could observe it and it's something that I wanted so much for myself. It was something that was natural to do. Um, But in addition to that, so my sister was around the same time she was getting married, I think, in 2009, and knowing um, that I have really strong organizational skills, she was like, you're going to plan the wedding. And so she's Ugandan. She married an African-American guy, um, my brother-in-law, who's super amazing. And I saw the struggles they went through, first of all, just as a multicultural couple. So he flew to Uganda, and they did the special Ugandan traditional ceremony, which is called a kwanjala. Okay. And I just watched him like, it's, it's just interesting to see him like a fish out of water on the outside. Like we were telling him, oh, you got to get this. You've got to fill the suitcase filled with these clothes and items. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just be like, well, why? Like, And we're like, oh, it's just tradition. And there have to be cows and you have to hold a chicken. And there's, you know, <laughs> during the ceremony, there's no English being spoken. So I just was watching his face. Do you know, he's just sort of like, what is... You know, so what am I getting myself into? <laughs> yeah, kind of like he's such a great sport. Like he just was like, okay, like somebody was like, now it's time to hold the chicken and pass it over, and it's a live chicken. And he's like, oh my god, I've never held a live chicken, but I'm gonna act like this is an everyday thing, you know? Um, so yeah, so there was just something about that that was just fascinating to me. And when did you realize that you had a talent in photography? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, I think probably just people's feedback. Oh, you know what it was? All right, so you shoot, you shoot. And you know, your friends and family are always like, girl, that's hype. That's awesome. You 
you're the bomb. You should like, and mm-hmm. you're, you know, but at the same time, you're like, they are my friends and family. Yeah, what else are they going to say? <laughs> right? And so I think, so I went and shot that wedding in Mexico. And again, because I'm very analytical, I studied it like I was studying for a test. Like, I was like, all right, I need a ring shot. And I need a family shot. And I need an overshot. I need like, I timed everything, even how, how many steps and minutes it took to get from one place. I was like, okay, the groom is over here. He's 10 minutes from the bride. So, I mean, I was the only shooter. So I was like, okay, it's going to take me 10 minutes to get there. I get those shots, spend 10 minutes there. So I analyze everything. And at the end, I submitted it for publication and it got picked up and not just by like one person, but like a whole bunch of people picked it up. And wow. not only that, and we, even some people who started just like stealing the images and using them for other stuff. So I was like, oh, this wow. Is, this is your first wedding? The one in Mexico? This was my first wedding. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I know. Right. But that being said, it was the analytical set. I mean, it, it goes back to like my key analyticalness, which I guess worked in that situation. That's, <laughs> you know, that's, that is much. really interesting because... Wedding photography is probably one of the forms of photography where I wouldn't associate it with being analytical because there's so much emotion involved, right? The whole, like when you think wedding photography, you think, okay, I'm going to capture as much emotion as possible. I want to show as much love Mm -hmm. as possible. And love and analytics just don't seem to go together when you look at it at face value. But the fact exactly. that the fact that you're able to bring that, you know, your chemical engineering background and that analytical mind into your photography and capture love in that way is amazing. That's a, like a really cool connection that you were able to find. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'll share a, a geeky fact because <laughs> I love doing Go for that. It. Um, one of my friends who I even forget when I was working at Advil, we're analyzing something, and he said, you know. When you build structure and analysis, the mind is freer to be more creative. And so I guess that's how I explain it. Like when the chaos is sort of organized and put into a puzzle, then the brain and the heart and everything else feels. And that's, I guess, how I feel. Like when everything's in its place and I know what's going on, I'm my most creative. That makes a lot of sense. I think there's a term called uh, like planned spontaneity. Right. If you, mm. if, you, if you put all your plan, if you do a lot of the planning yes. up front, then you can say, OK, for this for the next two hours, I'm going to do whatever I want and whatever happens. Yes, happens. Exactly. Because I've, I've sort of planned for it. And now I know like mm-hmm. I have this gap of time where I can just do whatever I want and, and let life yes. happen. Right? So that's, that's interesting. So Yo. on your site, you have a quote that says. I believe that what makes you different makes you beautiful, but I didn't always believe this was true. Can you elaborate on on what you mean by this? Does this go back to what you were saying about uh, sort of like hiding your last name? Yeah, it goes. Wow. <laughs> Good research. Um, yes, it goes back to that. It also goes back to the fact that um, for a long time. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to share this, but I'm going to share it because I think it'll help some people. Um, for a long time, I didn't see myself celebrated in mainstream media, yep. in movies, in magazines, like 
anywhere. And so um, even my hair, like I have an afro right now, very natural hair. It doesn't flow like the people I would see in mainstream media. So I would like, um, yeah, I think I would put a towel on my head and pretend my hair was something else. Um, and so there's always this fascination with beauty and like trying to emulate what I saw. Um, but now I'm at a stage where I'm like, no, my beauty, just the way it is, it's beautiful. And there are other people, like other brides I work with, who I'm just like, gosh, you are beautiful just the way you are. And the very thing that you're trying to hide about yourself is the very thing that makes you who you are and makes you beautiful and is meant to be celebrated. And I love that, you know, like whatever, your hair is flows differently, you wear different things, you eat different foods, you know, they're different shades of of people. That's so beautiful. That should not be that shouldn't be hidden. And it's something that I hid so much because I thought there was this one idea of beauty and I should try to be that. But different is beautiful. People love different. So yeah. Yeah, it takes a while for us to uh recognize that own our own beauty and our and our uniqueness and that difference yeah yeah because it's a nat you just kind of want to no one wants to stick out right sticking out is like it's painful <laughs> and yeah especially you kind of want to be yeah in your adolescent years when you're, you're a teenager and you're f- sort of like figuring out your sense of self, your sense of identity absolutely sticking out is like the last thing you want to do Unless, because a lot of people, yeah, a, a lot of people do it in an unhealthy way, right? To try to be the cool exactly. person. How does, how did you sort of like discovering or rediscovering the beauty within yourself have an impact on you choosing to focus on multicultural love and couples and marriage? Like, is there a relation there? Oh my God, your questions, man, you're going for the heart right here. Um, gosh, it was a lot of layers. It was people calling me out on being fake, honestly, on hiding who I was. I know, right? Were these friends calling you fake or critics calling you fake? No, this was, it first started out with a mentor, not, not so much fake, but just sort of like, why are you trying to be so white? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? There it is. <laughs> like, why are you hiding? Um, and so it was like, no, I'm not. Wait. Oh, wait. And then going back and being like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, why am I doing this? And how far have I taken it? And mm-hmm. just very slowly. Slow, yeah, it, I mean, it still happens now. Like, sometimes um, I currently do a lot of speaking events and some of the events don't have people that look like me and I struggle because I'm like I know I did it for so long I know how to fit the part and play the part so well but sometimes you like I'll wear something African every single time to just be able to fully express myself but yeah it's it's still a struggle because I did it for so long but um well, I mean, yeah, it was I, a bunch of people, and now there are people who hold me up to the light, and they call me out consistently, and um, yeah. I mean, so. I would imagine that 
you sort of putting that out in the forefront that you are a photographer who focuses on multicultural relationships and marriages and proposals that you are very niche, but you're putting people at ease at how easily that they can find you because there are a lot of folks who want somebody like you to represent them, to document them, to capture their special day because you're going to be able to relate to them in a way that somebody else may not. So you're kind of making oh my it God, easier you for got them. It. Yeah, that's yes. that's that's the whole point of being you, niche, you know, is to to, to exactly. And but yeah. I will tell you this: when I did it the first year, I people came for me. I had some people say that that sounds too exclusive, and you're holding out on other people. And why would you do that? And we'll see if you you're still in business in a couple of years. So it was very, very scary to be like, this is what I stand for. But um, to your point, what you just shared, the people who get it, they yeah. really get it. Listen, they listen, really, really get it. Listen, yeah. you're, you're not for everybody. This podcast is not for everybody. Yep. My photography is not, <laughs> not for everybody, you know, and that's okay. Exactly. But the people mm-hmm. who it is for will seek it out. They will respect it and they will you know, they'll give you feedback. They'll keep looking for it. They'll follow you, you know, but mm-hmm. you can't do everything for everybody, man. That's, that's just not possible. I love that you shared that. Yep. And I love them right back and I love them hard. Those <laughs> people I work with, man, I love them. Nice, yeah. nice. So you are the first wedding photographer on the podcast and I speak to like my, my core network is photojournalists or documentary photographers. And I see that mm. you consider yourself a portrait and documentary photographer. You don't, at least on your site, you don't say that you're specifically like a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. But what I think is really interesting about having you on the show is because you have a business and you have multiple people in your business. And I think what yeah. a lot of, my colleagues can benefit from is is sort of understanding some of your business acumen. Like how do you approach business? How do you approach negotiating and, and how do you like price your services and things like that? So, you know, Mm -hmm. I I guess I would say, how did, how did you know you were ready to start a business in weather photography after just doing like the first shoot in Mexico? Mm, That's a good question. So I didn't really like, I'm lucky that I did work. I had a little bit of marketing background and so that helped a little, but in terms of just jumping. um, So I was laid off from my job. And after that, I was, I didn't like that feeling because I felt like I gave my soul and my heart. Um, And then I was like, what? And so I, I made a decision. I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I always have something else to hold me up. And I went looking for another job. Um, so I would say there wasn't really like a grand vision. Like I didn't like, I'm going to be a wedding photographer and it's going to be great. You know, like I literally took one step at the time and was guided by the fact that I knew these kinds of stories needed to be told. Um, but I also knew two things. I was like, I know this needs to, I was like, I don't know where this is going to go, but two things that were really, really important is 
I always paid for mentorship because I know that one year of mentorship with somebody who's been there, done that, can save hundreds and thousands of dollars and hours and time because you have somebody come in and look at you and be like, oh, this is what you could do. And this is, I did this and it didn't work. So you should do this. So those are the two things I invested in. So I was like, if this is going to become something, I know that getting p- good people who've been there, done that is super, super important. Um, so that's what I would offer up to anyone looking and trying to make this a business. Um, the second thing that I would say is, I think you had shared like understanding your worth and value as an artist. <laughs> I think I kind of heard that as a question too. Um, so I would say we, we love what we do, right? I love shooting. I could shoot all day. Like, and I started shooting out in the beginning, just giving stuff for free and not charging a lot of money. Um, until I started following up with people a year after two years after and being like, Hey, how are you doing? And they would be like, Oh my gosh, my grandfather passed away. And the photos from your wedding were the ones we had at the wake, at the service, all over. And this means so much to me that I was like, wait a minute, I'm selling these photos like, you know, we go into the dollar store, just, here you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is much, much earlier in my business. But there is something valuable. This is art. This is is something that makes somebody feel, it's a part of somebody's story and legacy. And from then on, and it's still, you know, it's definitely a learning curve every now and then. Um, but it's more like we have a gift, like what we're doing, documenting history and life. That is a gift. Like you can shape people's lives. Then I started studying business models <laughs> and just ran after education, like really went on creative lives and studied books, read a lot of books, different models, and started to see, like, how do I price myself? So you can price yourself, I think, by looking at other people or the market and being like, oh, my God, that person charges $50,000. I'm going to charge $50,000. What I decided I wanted to do is, like, I wrote out my dreams and I said, okay, this is the kind of life I need, I want to live. Like, I want this amount of money. I want to live in this neighborhood. I want to have these things. What do I need to do to get there? And how much do I need to charge to get there is how I started out. And then over time, I sort of tweaked it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. But I would say at a time like now, we're in a pandemic time. And um, I think what's on everyone's mind, especially mine, is sort of like, oh, my gosh, whatever I do going forward really, really has to support and sustain me through good and bad. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. So I can't afford to like nilly willy be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll come out to your, I don't know, to your party and shoot whatever and give you the photos for free. Yeah, sure. Like I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not this anymore. is my livelihood. <laughs> not and anymore. it's a gift. No, it's not anymore. No, like, no, no. <laughs> it's time. You know, I wish, yeah, yeah. You know, what's was really interesting is I just saw an image of a couple getting married during the quarantine, mm-hmm. and they're walking down an empty church, but I think they had family members mail in, or they printed out f- photos of their family members and placed them in the chairs oh the way God. they would have normally, yeah. and and showed the couple walking down the aisle, and 
it was it was like it was weird and it was cool and it was sad and it was like great all at the same time yeah. it's like you know obviously that's not the ideal situation for a wedding but this is mm-hmm. how this couple you know uh pivoted and and made the best out of it and was still able to celebrate and have people you know celebrate with them so um yeah but to your point i, I feel like God, and what a fantastic for imagine that photo is going to be passed on for generations to come like yeah. that's a gift man i hope yeah. they yeah <laughs> go ahead so you know I've, I've shot a few weddings uh in my career not not many you know i would not call myself a wedding photographer and even mm-hmm. uh last last year someone reached out to me about photographing the wedding and I sort of froze and I just didn't, I, I never responded to the, uh, to the email uh, because I feel like there's a lot of pressure to uh, photograph a wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go out and I, I photograph an assignment for a paper or something, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, there are, there are those moments that you know you need to capture, mm-hmm. but there's no real pressure, you know, um, mm-hmm. but the times that I've photographed weddings, I'm just like, my heart beats when it's like the, I don't know, like the kiss or the the ring or they're walking oh down my the aisle God. or whatever. And it's yeah. like, yo, if I don't get this now, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's no going back. I mean, like, you need those money shots, you know? And there's always like yeah. this, this anxiety around it, you know? And um, like, how do you deal with that? No, I thrive in it. Like, I'm like, yes. It's, I get nervous every now and then, especially if it's a big wedding and I know there's, there's a vision and need, like there's always nerves, but it's what fuels me. And I guess I want to say there's like somebody who wrote about the different personalities and how time affects different people. Mm-hmm. I feel like deadlines and like that kind of pressure. I'm like, I love it. I thrive. <laughs> yeah. I, I thrive off of deadlines also. If there's no deadline, it doesn't exist. You know? So. Yeah. I'd be chilling like do do do, no pressure. Everything will be a little lukewarm, but yeah. But also, honestly, you can, as much as weddings are, there's different moments and stuff like that. There's a science behind it. There really is a science. Well, you're going to, you're going to find a science because you're analyzing, you know, so for (laughs) you, it's hard for you not to see it scientifically. Like this for you, there's a process, there's an A plus B equals C type of thing right mm-hmm. for, for, yep. so one way that I was able to at least build the um to make myself comfortable photographing a wedding is I would tell the client straight up I am not a wedding photographer by trade mm. I'm, I said I am a documentary photographer now if you yeah. now what I can do for you and if you're comfortable you and your, your partner if you are comfortable <laughs> I can approach your wedding the same way I would tell a documentary type of story, which means I'm mm-hmm. off a fly on the wall. And it means that I'm less about getting all the family shots with the mother and the father and then the groom's family. I'm not trying to do all of that. Right. And, you know, I say it a lot more professionally, but I basically let them know, like, that is not my style of photography. And if you're cool with that, then let's talk next steps. This way I get to photograph no, the I way. Love it. Yeah, I get to photograph in a way that is comfortable with me and I'm able to give them the best images possible and they already know what to expect up front, you know, and sometimes it works out like that. 
No, I love what you said because mainly because you lead the conversation versus you get molded by the client's needs. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's a common trap that I've myself fallen into. The client's like, I need this and this and this and this. And then you become the the employee versus the leader to say, hey, this is, yeah. let's talk about what's, what I can do for you and, and what do you need and how do we make it happen together? So, Absolutely. It needs yeah. to be collaborative. Mm-hmm. So... You know, most wedding photographers find it challenging to get clients, but you've managed to become an international wedding photographer. Your first wedding was, you know, traveling to Mexico, <laughs> like, and then and then that. getting right. and getting in a, you know, getting awards or getting recognized for your very first wedding. So, can you share like how you were able to become an international wedding photographer? Like, what is the process of booking a, a client, like an international client or a client that's based here and that's willing to fly you wherever the wedding is taking place? Like, how does that process unfold for you? Wow, great question. So I think there's two two questions in there. One is, I think, how do I attract that kind of a client? And then the other yes. is much more logistical, like, how do you actually shoot it and go do all the details of that, yeah? Well, um, less, so about the started- less about the shooting part, more about how do you attract the client sort of get them comfortable okay. enough to want to bring you out there and then like how that works out with how, you, how do you negotiate the pricing and the travel arrangements and things like that? Okay. Okay. Great question. So I would say, um, for destination clients, um, I sometimes see people being like, we'll travel anywhere or available to go around the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that doesn't make someone feel comfortable that you can shoot a wedding anywhere in the world. There's when you travel the world, it's logistically, it's, it's challenging. Like these, like I just came from Thailand and I was in Puerto Rico and all these other places. Like I would say you should do what you want your clients to feel comfortable hiring you for. So for me, um, I travel a lot just personally and I share a lot of that. Like I, my favorite place in the world is Myanmar and Laos. And so I share a lot of photos like, hey, look, I'm here in this random place. I can do this. I'm comfortable knowing, navigating different languages, getting visas, understanding how to, you know, get a taxi in a place which might not have Uber, but they have Grab or something else. Like, And that's what makes people feel comfortable because they're like, okay, this is already in somebody's wheelhouse, I would say. Um, and so for me, just constantly sharing travel stuff is what has attracted people to me. I think the other thing is at the very beginning of my business, I came up with an avatar, which is a very detailed description of my ideal client. It's describing someone in such detail, like you feel like you know them. Um, so I can, I can maybe share, I can share a couple of examples with your audience if you want to. Um, later on, I can share some links. So mine is, I have a Mariella and I have several different ideal clients and avatars, but she's like this. She lives in this city, New York. She's getting married here. This is what she likes to do on the weekend. This is who she values. This is the organization she's involved in. And all of my avatars had travel, like this person likes to travel. And so I very clearly have a good idea of who this person is. And then in terms of how I market and where I market, 
and what I say, I make sure that I'm saying things which are going to attract that kind of a person to me. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned having an avatar because that's, 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 that's a marketing term. And a lot of my colleagues in photography um, may not have access to the marketing insight that you're sharing right now. And that's very important. And, you know, your avatar is basically, you know, you name them, you basically like drill down all of those different elements of who your ideal client is. And that's the voice that you speak to them with. So in all your marketing materials and your messaging is you're speaking to that avatar. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I was okay. going to say, how many avatars do you have for your company? I have five. Five avatars. I want to say five. Oh, I'm, I'm like in the middle of adding one right now. <laughs> it's deep, right? So I get it. I'm like, okay, I got it. And then there's one that I was like, oh, I got this kind of a client. Like I've talked to some people and they booked really easily. And I'm like, uh-oh, what was it about that? It was something connecting. And I'm like, I think I need to add another one. Mm-hmm. And so I'm currently studying that person right now. I'm studying them by going to places they're most likely to get married. And I'm talking to the venue managers and being like, oh, do they like this? What do I like this? What's important to them? And I'm going online and I'm reading books so I can really clearly define this person. Yeah. Um, I think I'm there. I think I'm there. Like, I'm like, oh, I think... Because I've looked at all the different patterns, like all the venue managers were like, oh, personalization is really important to this person and they like to travel and they like this. And I'm like, these are the same things I keep hearing over and over. So there's a new one. We got to name her that. And we got to come up with a picture for her. But yeah. You even oh, put, no, you even put pictures? <laughs> oh, I have pictures. My first one is a picture of Gabrielle Union because I was like, I feel like she's like this. And she's type wow. A and this is what she does. That's yeah, that's it, really it feels more real, you know? Yeah, that's really that's really cool. That's really cool. I want to go back to your um to you talking about your how you get clients. And I think what you mentioned was very very important. You said like a lot of people you'll see on their sites that they say willing to travel, go anywhere and that's basically them saying they want somebody to pay for them to travel somewhere exotic and take yeah, pictures. Yeah, like oh, right? I'm run on your wedding right? that I did exactly. my life. <laughs> yeah right you know. but what you mentioned which is really interesting is that you are are already an avid traveler and you're and you're a savvy yeah. traveler and mm-hmm. the more you travel the more you're able to understand certain customs of the place that you're going um especially mm-hmm. especially uh as a woman in a lot of mm-hmm. different cultures there's a certain way that you know, you like women have to carry themselves that may be respectful or yeah. disrespectful to that culture. Mm-hmm. And if you're going out there and you're going, you go, you shoot the wedding and then you're going to do like the portraits and all that stuff after you have to have enough intuition to know what might be considered disrespectful in that culture. But if you're just going over there to say, yeah, I went to Thailand to shoot a photograph of wedding and blah, blah, blah. And it's more yes. about it's more about you than it is about the couple and making the experience exactly. great for them. Then you're doing a disservice exactly. to that client. Exactly, exactly. Any sort of industry you're in, it cannot be about yourself. It Mm-mm. has to be about serving other people. 
And I will say, if you want a lot, a lot of business, always serve, always care and serve other people and take care of them. And they will always take care. I have clients who continue to refer me and their wedding was like years ago. And they're just like, you know, take care of people and they will take care of you and the business will come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you even mentioned that you check up on clients, like previous clients, just to see how they're doing, right? Yeah. And that's great. I mean, I imagine- There's the wedding and then there's marriage and it's real. (laughs) But I I imagine you probably have a calendar full of uh, like anniversaries and stuff. So it's like a perfect opportunity to just like- yeah. And you have a baby and the name of the baby and the and the date the baby is born and yeah, we have all that. Yeah. <laughs> and the more you the more you stay in tune and stay in contact with these clients, the more you become sort of like part of the family for like big family moments. You know, I, yeah. I imagine. That's just me sort of um guessing, but I would imagine that, that yeah. you sort of become embedded in the family in a certain aspect. I do. I really care about them. I'm like, they invested in me. I genuinely care about all my clients and how they're doing. So, yeah. So you mentioned that you have, you have a team of photographers. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. How many photographers do you work with? So I'll take that back. So I have a team of photographers. I have a team in general, like who helped me just run the business. Okay. And then I also have, some photographers that consistently shoot with me. Yeah. All right. So I want to give a shout out to the team who don't shoot because they are being amazing right now and really helping me with the business. So they're shooting and non-shooting. Got it. Sorry, go ahead. Got it. No, that's that's great. I mean, the team in general is 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 a blessing. You know, um, how do you? So basically, you will get a client, and then if, depending on the budget or the size of the wedding, or if it's a destination wedding, you're determined if you mm-hmm. want to bring on a second second or third shooter? Is yeah, that- so the biggest determinant for me is the size of the wedding and what's going on. Um, I can easily do weddings on my own, and my team, they have done weddings on their, or weddings and shoots on their own of, I would say 35 or less, even 50, 50 or less, that's, I think that's easy to cover with one person. But again, I talk to each couple and understand what's going on. If the groom is getting ready again in a completely different location, 30 minutes away, it's just not physically possible to, you know, if I kind of pull together the entire picture and figure out, okay, this is what this person needs. This is what's going on. What is it going to take to make that happen? Mm -hmm. And so I guess we touched on this a little bit briefly, but how do you sort of like negotiate your rates or your expenses? Do you offer a flat rate or do you offer like a a la carte Chinese menu type of thing? Like how do you uh, approach, you know, negotiating your rates with your clients? That's a great question. So it's a combination of two things. Number one, I know the kind of life I want to live and, how much I need to, to get there. Um, so there's sort of like a base amount that I will not go under. Um, but the second half is really having a, I have a conversation with every single person mm-hmm. to understand what's going on in your wedding. Where is it? Right. Cause a New York wedding is not going to 
costs the same thing as a Las Vegas or a South Africa. And like, that's, that's different things. What are the different elements? And I actually have a spreadsheet calculator where I put in all the elements. Okay. They want an album. They want an engagement session. Okay. They want this and this. And then I sort of, yeah, there's an equation, of course, right? It's me. (laughs) There's an equation that I put in there and I sort of use that to guide what the pricing will be like. Um, I don't have standard rates. I know a lot of photographers do, but we do multicultural weddings. Sometimes they're two days, three days. Sometimes they're in different places in the United States and around the world. So I, yeah, like a, a pricing sheet is not relevant to my clients. Because they always come in and then we always like, oh, let's add this, let's take this out. And then, you know, yeah. I like this the spreadsheet idea um, Mm -hmm. because I have a spreadsheet as well. And the spreadsheet was so critical because I can't lie to myself. The numbers don't lie, you know, and- The numbers are real. The numbers are real. And so if somebody says, oh, okay, I want a portrait- and I already populated the spreadsheet with all the necessary equations for like how much time it's going to take to uh, for consultation, for setup, mm-hmm. to act the actual shoot, how many different outfits you're wearing, or uh, post production, all of that stuff, right? There's there's certain what formulas is, that yeah. go into each of them. So after speaking with somebody, yeah. I punch in the numbers, I estimate about how much it's going to take, and then mm-hmm. the equation spits out the rate. And mm-hmm. this way, and if I start to, and then I know if I'm, I'm shooting myself in the foot, if I start to fudge the numbers, because I say, oh, this is where the anxiety or the, uh, the nerves come kick in. It's like, oh man, I don't think this person is going to afford this, or I'm not going to get any clients. And then I start to fudge the numbers. Then I know I'm shooting myself in the foot because I'm yes. going against, I'm going against what the numbers are saying I need to hit in order to stay in business, in order exactly. to live that lifestyle that I want. And I would say, I learned quickly, if you don't say the number that you need to survive, two things are going to happen. Somebody's going to go down. Either it's yep. you, it's taken away from your lunch money or mm-hmm. your retirement money or something. Or on the back end, I know some people who showed who shortchanged the client and they're like, all right, they need it to be this low. So I'm just going to maybe get somebody who just graduated photography to shoot with me. Cause it's going to be a less rate. And yeah. that's how I'm going to manage that. Does that make sense? And so if somebody oh, yeah. gets shortchanged. That's always, ah, you know, yeah. And see, think that's... of it that way, but also somebody, Oh, I just want to say this one thing. My mentor, um, one of my mentors said something really important. He said, to get over that fear of charging a, a certain number, sometimes, like you said, you put in the calculator, it's this huge number, and you're like, oh, my God, are they going to want it? He's like, think of what you're providing as a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. People will pay money to get rid of problems, right? You hurt your foot or your tooth and it's aching, you're going to pay mad money to get somebody to stop that. Exactly. So if you try to understand whatever your client needs in a, as, in, as a problem, if you're a portrait photographer, the person's like, man, like me, I'm speaking and I don't have a good new speaking photo and I need one for this magazine that I'm getting printed in. I'm going to pay a lot of money to get someone to create something beautiful quickly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
because it's a pain that I'm feeling. And so now if somebody can deliver on that solution, so think of it that way, you're helping someone take away their pain and people will pay money to take away pain. Um, that's great. That's great. I, I love the fact that you have a business background because so many artists struggle with the business side of art and non-artists, yeah. the non-artists recognize the artist's struggle and milk us all the yeah. time. That's that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. I hear you and I feel that on, and I, I have been there. Um, just know that what you're doing is valuable and try to figure out what problem you're trying to solve. And yeah, it'll, it'll be good for everyone, right? You get the money, you sell somebody's problem, everyone's happy. So. Absolutely. What's one of the, um, the more memorable weddings that you photographed? Wow. Um, ah, the one wedding that comes to mind, and this is just because it's coming to mind right now. I truly love every single couple, every single wedding. But one that really stands out is a couple. She was Jewish. He was Nigerian and Whoa. Muslim. Nigerian I know, and, right? and, and Muslim? Yes. Whoa. Wow. That, right? what, a, what a combination. <laughs> right? But to see like the entire wedding was like, this is the future of the world. Like, you know, just wow. seeing your families come together, just seeing people who are like, you know, like her Jewish side being like, all right, there's a money dance. This is different. Everyone's doing this thing, but just diving in and I just was like, this is what love represents, like true love, belonging. This is what it's about. It's about like seeing people for who they are and, and just diving in and celebrating who they are versus looking and being like, uh, I don't know if I can get them better. That's, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's also a special one because we were in Chelsea, New York shooting and Usher happened to walk by and we were like, Usher, can you take a picture with us? And he was like, and I think his wife at the time was like, go do it. And he took a picture of us and that was great. So yeah, icing on the cake. (laughs) Where where do you find your inspiration? Do you study other wedding photographers? Do you study photography in general? Do you study general art, movies? Like where do you find inspiration to bring it back into your photography? Yeah, good question. So I would say I find inspiration from my clients' stories and who they are. That's what fuels me to shoot the way I am. So if somebody comes to me, and I I had a client before come to me and say, hey, my dad is, um, he has a rare form of cancer and he's going through extreme chemotherapy to be there for my wedding. Um, and so I'm fueled to create images because I'm like, oh, my gosh, we don't know how much time mm-hmm. she has with him and the family has with him. So I'm using that to look for moments that, you know, like when the dad is walking her down the aisle, the first day, like father daughter dance. I'm looking for moments that that's what inspires me because I'm like, oh, my God, there's something here. I have to gift them something because we know this is what the situation is. Um, other times it's a lot of times comes from music, 
So I have a lot of Beyonce bribes and I study Beyonce a lot. I listen to her music. <laughs> I study what she does and why she's a very thoughtful person. Like her music, you can listen and be like, oh, the beats are hot. But if you really study, like she does a lot of studying. Everything is like, and so I think about what is she trying to channel? Um, and so my brides are always like, oh my God, let's do something Beyonce-esque. And so I'll think about, okay, why did she do this this way? What was going on? And we'll try to create something inspired by that, but also in true to myself. Yeah. I don't think I've heard a wedding photographer say that they were, that they were interested in a story. And I mean, I, I, that may be a given, but the way that you broke it down mm -hmm. just made a little bit more sense to me. And I think that's where your documentary, like, you know, claiming yourself yes. a documentary photographer kind of shows through. Because when I look at documentary work, that work is public facing, right? This is work that people yeah. take. It's a story they want to tell about like a, something going on in their community, something like a global issue or something like that where they want people to be aware of. But it mm -hmm. sounds like you are approaching this as a documentary, like documentary style storytelling, but specifically for the couple because there's stories, there's going to be stories in those photos that you're taking for that couple's wedding or engagement or yes. proposal that only they may be familiar with. So when they look through these photos, yes. they are they are in tune with everything that you're capturing because, you know, the guests are going to see it, their close friends and family, but that's about it, you know? But for the couple, when they go through those books years down the line and they're reminiscing about their wedding day, the, you're going to just keep, keep hitting them with emotion after emotion because you're listening to the story that they told you and you were focused on yes! capturing that in their day. It. Is that right? Oh my God. You like, I'm like sitting here like, do 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 <laughs> you got it as someone who's always like people understanding what I'm trying to do you got it that's exactly it it's like the goal is to under even the family dynamics like who's who why are they together like what's going on like we're looking so every single image is intentional it's not just like all right I gotta get her walking down the aisle mm -hmm. snap that it's like I'm getting her walking down the aisle, but I already know she told me she's an only child and her and her mom are besties. So mm -hmm. I'm looking for her mom crying and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I get a photo of her walking down the aisle and her mom is on the corner crying? Yeah. She doesn't know her mom is crying. Like, you know, yeah, that I know that's great. Besties, that's great. But like, oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. That's that. I mean, that's probably why you won, you know, the awards that you've won. Right. No, thanks. I I think it's part of it. <laughs> yeah. So as we uh, come to a close, Petronella, uh, tell me something that you, what's a piece of advice you would give your younger self when you, when you first took your father's film camera and started shooting? What's a piece of advice you would tell yourself? Oh my God. I would say the world is yours. Start sooner. Do not wait. Like, do it now, whatever's in your mind and your heart, just take that next step. Do it now. Don't skimp on, on something because you're trying to save money or equipment. Let me start this lower, mm. like go, go 100. If you really want something, go 100. Start right now. I wish I had started earlier. Um, yeah, I could attest to that. Absolutely. Yeah, just go for it. Just like, 
there's a gift no matter if you mess up or you don't mess up. There's going to be a gift no matter what. And by withholding yourself from taking that next step, you're depriving the world and yourself of a blessing and a gift and lessons that they're just waiting for you. The world is waiting for you. So Absolutely. do it. <laughs> and, and, and currently, since we're on the quarantine, I think people are realizing very quickly that uh, you can plan, plan, plan as much as you want, man. But life has a way of just uh, destroying all those plans and making putting you everything route. on mm-hmm. exactly on pause. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Petronella, thank you. thank you, thank you so much. This was great. This was great. Uh, you dropped a bunch of jewels that I hope people out there. You, I hope you're listening. I hope you're like walking behind and, and and picking these jewels up because there's a lot of jewels in in what she dropped today. So. Petronella, thank you again. No, thank you so much uh, for no having problem, me. No problem. And I this hope is you dope. share your story because you have a pretty amazing story and some gems to drop as uh, well. Thank you. And yeah, thank you. yeah. I hope, so. I, I hope they they uh, spell out, you know, in every episode one by one. You know, that's yeah. the goal. But, you know, this is not about me. This is about the work that you all are doing. So keep doing the great work that you're doing. I hope that you'll be able me to travel too. soon. That we're all yes. able to travel soon, right? Itching. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Petra. Thank you so much for having me and thank no you for problem. creating this platform. I really hope it inspires others. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Hi, this is Petronella, and you are tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. I want to give a big shout out to everyone who tuned in to this episode. Thank you for listening. The Black Shutter Podcast is hosted by me, Idris Talib Solomon. To subscribe to the Black Shutter Podcast, Head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. When you get there, show us some love by dropping a five-star rating or leaving a review. This will help with our rankings, which essentially helps more black photographers get exposure. Make sure to check us out online at blackshutterpodcast.com to read the show notes, learn more about our guests, and check out some of their work. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Peace. Until next time.